We're, what we're doing, for those of you guys who don't know, we are, if you're new to this place, we're, we're walking through, right now, through the book of First Peter. And we've made it all the way to First Peter chapter three. And our topic today actually has to do with marriage. That's where it comes into in First Peter chapter three. But I wanna encourage you, if you're not married at this time, or, or maybe you're like, well, how am I gonna get something out of this message? I want you to be listening to these principles that apply to all relationships. We happen to hit on the topic of marriage, and that's where we're gonna zero in on, because that's where Peter talks about but you can find something in here that applies to your relationships, maybe with your parents or your kids or, or uh, coworkers, what, whatever it is, there's truth in here because it's God's word, amen? So uh, what I wanna do, just because I know sometimes we have tough topics and tough topics, especially if you're sitting by the person that you consider to be the tough topic today, it's, it's a lot better if we lighten it up a little bit. And so I found some funny tweets. If you don't know what a tweet is, I don't know what to tell you, but I found some funny tweets about marriage uh, that I thought would be, be fun just to share. This is a, a wife evidently tweeting this out and saying, still waiting for my husband to apologize for what he did in my dream last night. <laughs> Have you guys ever had that? Have you guys ever been mad at somebody for something they did in your dream, right? Yeah, it, it happens. I thought that was good. Uh, this is a husband talking. He says, me on my deathbed, wife, is that really what you're going to wear? <laughs> Evidently never stops. All right, uh, this is one spouse to another. It says, tell me how tired you are so I can upstage you and tell you how much more tired I am than you. Thought that was pretty good. Uh, this one guy says, my wife banned me from loading the dishwasher. Does that mean I won at marriage? I don't know where that dude is at, but I can tell you he's not winning. I'll just tell you that right now. I like this one. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones. My wife hates snakes, but if they sold snakes at Target, we'd probably have a few snakes. <laughs> This final one uh, I thought was good. My wife and I agreed never to go to bed angry with each other, which is why we've both been awake since January 14th, 2013. <laughs> that's, that's fun, okay? So some of us can kind of feel some of that pain there. But if you were to take a guess at what some of the biggest issues in relationships or deal breakers in marriage, what would they be? Now, some of us, we might come up with some, some ones that seem pretty prominent, like maybe adultery could be a, a deal breaker in marriage. Uh, they say, and a lot of statistics say this, that financial issues can be a deal breaker in marriage and cause a lot of conflict in marriage. Uh, you might throw out some other things um, like addiction or somebody, one, one spouse is a workaholic or maybe there's communication issues and all of these we would say, yeah, I could see how that can be a breakdown in marriage. But the truth is, all of these are really just symptoms. All of these are symptoms of a word that uh, we're familiar with, we don't necessarily like to talk about too much, but it's a word called selfishness. You realize that selfishness is what produces all of those other things. Selfishness is kind of the root of all those things. And selfishness is really the result of putting our feelings and emotions in the driver's seat of our life. Now, there's nothing wrong with feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions are indicators. God gave them to us for a reason. Now, we want them to be redeemed. That's called the fruit of the Spirit, by the way. Those are redeemed emotions. But what we want to do is, you know, when they're in the driver's seat of our life, Bad things tend to happen because you know that feelings change and feelings are not based on truth. And, and so, but so many people are led by their feelings instead of leading their feelings to the cross. And how many relationships 
end up being ruined because we are led by our feelings. We're led by our emotions. This isn't just in marriage. This is in any type of relationship. And society continues to pump into this idea of you do you, you feel what you feel, you go after what you want, and it creates a me first society. And when we, into, and we bring that, a me first society, into a relationship that is a covenantal relationship, bad things tend to happen. And so when we're feel, feel led by our feelings, we, you know, we, we get frustrated with the other person and we dig our heels in and we say, well, I'm not going to do anything until they do anything because they've treated me this way. And many of us have been there and we've been stuck before. Has anybody ever been there before? I've been there before where I've just, I've been led by my feelings. Now, good news is this. The Bible, I say the good news. Some of you guys don't like the good news, right? Some of us don't like to hear the good news. The good news is, though, that the Bible has another way. God's way is always the best way, but it's not always the world's way. And so it's not the way we're used to hearing all the time. So what I'm going to do is we go through these scriptures. I'm not going to be able to dig into all of it, but I'm just going to lift out a big idea from the scriptures as we walk through. So 1 Peter chapter 3 Verse 1 and 2 says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, again, there's a lot I could say about that scripture, and we could dig in and, and, and really study this out. But there's one concept I want you to catch in this scripture, one overarching thing. It's, it talks about a husband who's maybe not doing the right thing and then gives instructions for the wife to do the right thing anyway. And, and here's what I want you to catch. If you want to change your marriage, you change. That's what you came to hear, wasn't it? Can I tell you, if you want to change any relationship, you change, and the relationship has changed. But so many of us say, well, I want my relationship to change, I want my marriage to change, but the only way it's gonna get better is if they change. But the principle here in scripture says, if I want my marriage to change, then I'm going to have to change. And so there's a, if you want to change your marriage, you change. And in fact, there's no real progress until you change. Because even if, if, if they change, you still have to deal with your heart one way or the other. You still have to deal with your heart when they change, just like they do when you change. And so we, instead of being led by our feelings in our relationships, what do we want to do? We want to be led by faith. And here's what it looks like to be led by faith. Being led by, living by faith is when you put your feelings in the back seat. And you wouldn't you put the truth of God's word in the driver's seat of your life. But how many of you guys know that's hard to do, right? I mean, when you put the feelings, because your feelings are pretty loud. Your feelings are like the two-year-old kid that wants to talk all the time, right? It's like, put them in the back seat. And we put the word, the truth of God's word in the driver's seat. And that's hard because all of us have experienced this. Because feelings say something like this. You've hurt me, and now I'm going to make you feel like I feel. Has anybody ever been there before? <laughs> That's what feelings say, but here's what faith says. Faith says that I'm gonna treat others like, I'm gonna, like I wanna be treated and I'm never gonna pay back evil for evil because that's what it says in Romans chapter 12. So living by faith is putting my 
putting the God's truth in the driver's seat of my life, putting my feelings in the back. Now, we still have to deal with those feelings. We still have to deal with those emotions. I'm not saying to bury them. I'm just simply saying we are not led by our feelings because feelings are an untrustworthy driver. It's like putting your 10-year-old in the driver's seat. It's like you're going somewhere. You just don't know where you're going to end up. It's probably not going to end well. And feelings say this. There's so much wrong with you. How many of you guys know that if you're led by your feelings, it doesn't take long to look at somebody and say, there's a lot wrong. I can give you a list of all the reasons why there's something wrong with you. Here's what faith says. There's so much right with you. Philippians 4 talks about thinking about those things that are lovely, that are pure, that are good. And if we begin to look for those right things by faith, we will begin to find them. Feelings say, this, you've done this 27 million times, that's it, there's no more chances. But faith says, there's no scoreboard, love keeps no record of wrong. Have you guys know it's, it's hard to live by faith sometimes, isn't it? But living by faith means I'm going to put the truth of God's word in the driver's seat whether I feel like it or not. You know what this is called? This is called maturing. This is called growing up. This is called growing up in God. But this is really hard to do when you are dominated by selfish ways. And so selfishness really produces all of these other symptoms in our relationship. So what I want to do is we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, my wife, Becky, is going to help me preach part of this. We're going to have a couple videos. And, and we're going to start off with Pastor Jimmy Evans. Now, if you didn't know, we have a marriage conference this weekend. How many of you guys know that? Anybody know that? All right, we have a marriage conference this Saturday all day long. And I'm going to give you an action step. I like to save it for the end, but I, I want to give you an action step right now. You need to register for this Saturday for this marriage conference. because, And you'll see why the, at the end of this message, you'll see why this is so important. Because if we want to really make a difference in this world, it really starts by investing in our marriage. And listen, some, some of you guys are like, well, I can't do that. You know, I've got a lot of stuff on Saturday. I've got, you know, I've got kids to rush around to do different things. Listen. Get somebody else to drive them around. You don't need to drive them around. You know why? You said, well, but my kids, they need to see a good example of parents who love them. You want to know the best example of parents who love their kids is parents who love each other. If they can see parents who are willing to invest their time and say, kids, I love you, but, but I love your mom. And I want to invest in our relationship. Kids, I, I, I love you, and that's why I'm going to have somebody drive you around today, and, and I will celebrate afterwards. But here's what, I, I'm going to go, and I'm going to spend time building my marriage. You know what? The safest, most sound, most secure, most God-honoring kids as they grow up are people who saw their mom and dad love each other and love God together. That's why it's so important. That's why we challenge, uh, challenge people to rearrange your life to do this because it's worth it, because it's important. And so there's gonna be a lot of different speakers this week. In fact, we have a lot of prizes because we just, we just wanna bless you. We have, we have coupons, we have gift cards, we have a date night that we're giving away, and we also have a, a night at the Elms with a spa package that somebody's gonna win at this thing. So yeah, that's gonna be fun. So uh, I was asking, like, can I win that? Would that look bad if like, I, I don't know. But uh, we, can we rig that? Because that would be awesome. But it's, I challenge you to do that. Now, so to do that, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy Evans had this clip, and he's going to be speaking this weekend at the conference, but uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans had this clip that went right along with it, so let's watch this. I want to remind you that God created marriage before sin came into the human race, according to the Bible, if you believe the Bible story, which I do. And 
Adam and Eve had a wonderful marriage and they met each other's needs and they were very much in love. And then, if you remember, sin came into the Garden of Eden. Remember, sin was not just sin, it was a spirit of self. Before sin came into the human race, they were serving God and each other. They, remember, Eve was called a helpmate. And, and Adam was her helpmate. They were equals. And they were God's servants. And Satan came into the garden and began to say, if you eat that fruit, you will be like God. And all of a sudden, everything was about them. Now, I want to I tell you something about marriage. And, and listen to me, if you would, because this will help you. Okay. Marriage was created by God to bless you and make you happy right after it kills you. Marriage is designed to kill you, to kill self. I heard someone say one time, I've got some really bad news, and that is the two most powerful beings in the universe are both trying to kill you, Satan and God. And it's the truth. Satan's trying to kill you through all kinds of evil, but God's trying to kill you through marriage. As soon as you die, you'll have a wonderful marriage. And what has to die is that selfish spirit. It's all about you. It's all about you. If your needs are getting met, everything's fine. If your needs aren't getting met, nothing's fine. But you don't measure fine by your, by your spouse. See, here's, here's what I tell people in marriage. You're successful when your spouse tells you you are. But you're not successful until then. A lot of people say, well, I'm a good husband. I don't know what her problem is. I'm a good husband. You're not a good husband until she says it. You know what? It just, how pathetic is that going around saying, I'm a good husband. One of the, one of the biggest fights that Karen and I ever got in uh, we were riding in the car. We had been to a mall or something, and, and we just, you know, one of those stupid things that sparked a really bad fight. And I remember being in the car, hum, humble person that I am, and uh, I remember being in the car, and I was yelling at Karen, and I said, I'm a good husband. I'm a good husband. And I remember her looking at me like, oh, how pathetic is this? You know, it, <laughs> and when I look back on it, I was so defensive. I was so insensitive. And the reason that we were fighting is because of insensitivity. Selfishness is just, it's all about me. It's all about my rules. It's all about what I want. It's not about you. I don't want to have to be sensitive to you. I don't want to have to sacrifice to meet your needs. And here's what happens. Because, you know, typically when you, when you get into marriage, it's either wonderful or terrible. It really is. I mean, marriage is either the most wonderful thing in the world or the most terrible thing in the world. It just depends on if the spirit of self has died yet or not. And when Karen and I got married, we were miserable. And I played golf all the time, and I worked all the time. And when I came home, it was all about me and my needs. And I didn't care if Karen's needs were getting met. And she would constantly ask me if I would do certain things, and I just didn't want to. And I'd say no. But I wanted her to do the things that I wanted her to do. And the night that our marriage was healed, I told her to get out of the house. We had a big fight because I was so selfish. It was all about me. I was very dominant. And I dominated our home, and I dominated Karen. And I remember I, we fought, and I said, Gil, go in there and get out of the house and go back to your mom and dad. I'm sick of you, and I'm sick of your mouth and all that. Well, Karen went into the bedroom, and she was crying. And I remember sitting, I was a Christian, and I remember sitting there just thinking, how, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? I, I'm so tired of this. You know, it's just, it's miserable. And that's when I died. That's the night I died. That's the night that the selfish, obnoxious, dominant, insensitive Jimmy finally died, and I walked into the bedroom, Karen was sobbing, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I'm sorry for what I've done, and I've been wrong. It's the first time I'd ever said I was wrong in all of our marriage and years of dating, because I, I, I was just such an idiot. 
And I went in there and I apologized and I said, I'm, I'm sorry for the way I've talked to you. And she said, Karen stopped me. And she said, the worst thing you've ever done is the way you've talked to me. It's the worst thing you've ever done. And I said, I'm sorry. And I know that you probably don't trust me anymore because of how many things I've done. But however long it takes, I'll prove to you that I've changed. And I did. I've never gone back. I've never gone back on my word. When I told her, now I've made mistakes. But when I told her that night that I had changed, that's when I died. And that's when our marriage started being wonderful. Marriage, what, marriage is brutal on selfish people. It's just brutal. But marriage is wonderful on people who have died to that spirit of self. Let me say this. The best marriage in the world is two servants in love. Servants live to please somebody else. Servants, servants are sensitive because they love pleasing somebody else. And a wonderful, if you could meet each other's needs, you wouldn't get married. I told this story uh, before in some of my seminars, and that is the picture of heaven and picture of hell. And the picture of heaven is everybody sitting at a banquet table and they're eating and enjoying everything they're eating, but the picture of hell is all the banquet table is there, but they have utensils on their hands that are too long to feed themselves. But in hell, everybody is so selfish that they starve to death before they'll feed somebody else. And when you get married, that's the perfect picture of marriage. There's a banquet table in front of you, and you have what your spouse needs. But if you could feed yourself, you wouldn't get married. But the secret of a happy marriage is looking at your spouse and saying, what are you hungry for? Wow, you guys, that is so good. That is so good. Please don't just walk out of this room and forget about what you learned today. Let it sink in. I just want to encourage all the married couples, please come this Saturday. Please come. I know Jimmy Evans and his material has helped us, our marriage, personally. Okay, let's keep going in 1 Peter 3, chapter, or verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Several years ago, my husband, he is a hunter, I think you guys know, and he got a deer. And he strung it up in one of the trees in our yard. And uh, I don't know if you know, but it's not good usually to butcher a deer right after you kill it. It needs to hang for a little bit. Okay, let me just stop for a second. If any of this disturbs anybody, you're just going to have to tune out or pretend I'm talking about something else or something. Anyway, so it, it hung for a couple days, and it's a Saturday. And I don't remember if it was just getting warm that day or for whatever reason he had to take care of the deer that day. The problem was we had this event to attend. I don't remember if it was like a funeral or a wedding or whatever it was. We had to look really nice. We had to be there at a certain time. And so he's out there, you know, you know as quickly as he can try and take care of this deer. And every once in a while, I'd poke my head out and I'd be like, well, it's like an hour. You know, we're going to have to leave in an hour. He's like, I know, I know. And so, you know, it's half an hour. <laughs> you might, you know, it's a half. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go ahead and get ready. And he's like, go, go get ready. And so, you know, talk about adornment. You know, I'm a attending this fancy event. So I have this full-length dress, heels, you know, my hair curled, makeup, jewelry, all this stuff. And so I walk out there, and I'm like, we have 10 minutes before we have to be in the car, like, driving. And he's like, okay, okay, go pick up that trash bag over there for me. And I'm like, <laughs> And so I walk over, and I pick up this trash bag. And again, tune out if this bothers you. But because he was in such a hurry... 
um, there were just whole legs of a deer, okay, sitting on some, a clean area on trash bags. And so he's picking up these legs and putting them in this trash bag that I'm holding. And so, well, I was about to say imagine with me, but maybe you don't want to. But so it's like, it's a deer leg. And so from like the knee joint on, it's still, you know, fur and hooves and stuff. And so he puts these big legs in like flank first. And he's like, run and put this in the downstairs refrigerator. I got to go get ready. And I'm like, (laughs) and so I, I pick up this big bag deer legs sticking out the front and I'm like running through the house you know in my heels and have you ever had like that surreal moment I'm like what am I doing (laughs) somebody take my picture and I'm like shoving it into the refrigerator anyway um that's a good story for this because not only was I adorned on the outside but I think both of us had done a little inner work because we didn't get in an argument on the way to our event but anyway um I want to talk about, first I want to talk about this gentle and quiet spirit. That's not talking about a personality, guys. That's talking about an attitude. Um, If you ask the people closest to me, I do not have a gentle and quiet personality. Um, But anyone, both of us, husbands and wives, can have this gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle. Um, Let's think about, like, if if you guys are parents, think about with a little two-year-old child. You're gentle with them, right? Gentleness describes the action, so you're not sarcastic. They might mess up. They might um, do something wrong. You're not belittling them. You're not pointing it out. You're loving them, right? Why is it right to treat a child or maybe a stranger or something like that, but yet you can just treat your spouse however you want? You know, why isn't it the same? And then quiet. When I was thinking about a quiet spirit, this week, I was thinking about Jesus in the boat. You know, there's this huge storm. The sailors are afraid and Jesus is asleep. And so they wake Jesus up and they indirectly accuse Jesus of inaction and directly accuse Jesus of not caring, which is crazy to me. And he, so he gets up, he rebukes the winds and the wave or the wind and the waves. And then he turns to them and he says, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? And maybe he wanted them to rebuke the wind and the waves. Or maybe he was like, why didn't you guys just take a nap? You know, I told you we were getting to the other side. We were all tired. Why didn't you just rest? He had a quiet spirit. It was peaceful. It was calm, not unsettled, not easily shaken. So imagine two people in a marriage. Both of them have developed this hidden person to be gentle with each other, forgiving, merciful, and then they have this inner sense of just calm. Like, it's okay. It says the holy women who trusted in God, right? That's the key. They trusted in God. And so because their trust was here, it was okay if the spouse did something um, wrong or something that they thought they shouldn't do because they could just sit in, in peace and quiet. Does that make sense? So adorning... I want to just hit on that just real quick, which, by the way, adorning. Does anybody think about the way words sound? I do. That's a really silly word to me. And I've been, that word has been on my mind for like three days. I'll wake up, adornment, you know, I'll brush my teeth, adorn. Anyway, I'll be really glad to not have to think about this word a lot. But um, so the word, I looked up the word adorn. It's actually very interesting. I didn't have a chance to dig into it very much, but it means to put in order. 
That same word adorn is the word in the Bible that sometimes talks about when God like sets the universe. So it's, it's just basically putting things in order to arrange. But notice it's an action. It's not something that just happens. You have to put it on. You have to develop it. You have to cultivate that gentle and quiet spirit. So sometimes to help with changing um, some things about you, you need to look back and see what you need. You would have changed if you could. So here, watch this. All right, so what I want to do is to take us back on memory lane because many of you guys don't know this, but we were all of us dating at the same time. I think we were even engaged overlapped at the same time. Is that true? A little bit. I think we were. Barely. Barely. Okay, so what I wanted to do is have a little fun and to go back and to, to try out pickup lines that we wish we had the guts to do back when we were dating. So we don't know what each other have already picked, and so this is going to be real live uh, on the spot. So we're just going to take turns going through some pickup lines. So who wants to go first? I do. Sarah, okay, go. Okay, <clears throat> Aaron. Now this is weird yeah, because right. pickup lines wouldn't have really worked because we were just regular friends for a long time before we started dating. So I'm just saying it would have been really weird to use, but it could lines. have sped up the process. Maybe so. so. Yeah, I think Sarah. if I would have said these, I, I don't know, we would have eloped. <laughs> go, go. Let's okay, see. Yes. Let's see. Aaron, if no, sorry, are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. Yeah, that's sorry, nice. Sorry. That's yeah. nice. Would that have worked? Okay. Um, Very good. No, no, no wait, uh, Aaron. Oh, go ahead. sorry. Yeah. He gets to do one back. Sarah, if women were boogers, I'd pick you first. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, that would not okay. have worked. <laughs> okay. I think I would have ran. Okay. I searched for Christian pickup lines. You're supposed to tell it to me. I searched for Christian pickup lines. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm praying for you. No, I'm praying for you. Okay. Oh. Oh. I've, I've got one for right. you. Uh, if I had four quarters to give the four prettiest women in the world, you'd have a dollar. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's right. pretty good. Sarah, That's go good. get yeah, elope material. Um, you know, if you were coffee grounds, you'd be espresso because you're so fine. <laughs> <laughs> you got the fine <laughs> one going. I keep getting finer and finer. I thought it was go. <laughs> Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? Okay, I've heard that I've one. I've heard that one. All right, go. Okay. You put the stud in Bible study. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is not going to work on me. Okay. Uh, I think we'll eat. Uh, let me finish mine. Okay. Uh, the only thing I want to change about you is your last name. <laughs> okay, let's do one more. Let's okay. do one more piece. Um, oh. I could not stop laughing. Sorry. I don't even get it. <laughs> Go. I'm sorry. I want to I wanna live in your socks so I can be with you every step of the way. <laughs> oh, come on. That's Man. horrible. It was horrible. That's okay. so bad. Go. Okay. okay. Last one. Well, I, and then I have a bonus one after that. Okay. Okay. So are you from Tennessee? No. Because you're the only 10 I see. Nice. Oh. Okay. Go. Okay. Hello. I believe I have one of your ribs. That's it. <laughs> I get all right. it. This one, this one is my favorite one of all time, and I've shared it before. But uh, 
your daddy must have been a baker because you sure have a nice set of buns. <laughs> oh. That's bad because her parents might actually be in this service. That so. didn't come from the Christian pickup no. lines. No. Okay. What's your bonus? This one? is an anti-pickup line. Okay. Okay. Are you a 0% APR loan? <laughs> what? Because I'm, ha I'm having trouble understanding your terms and you aren't showing any interest. <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's bad. All right, so what we really want to do is, uh, I really want to, like, if we could take a time machine back to that time when we were dating or just getting ready to get married, what piece of advice do you wish you would have known if you could travel back? What would you tell yourself? So, Sarah, you want to start off? Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Um, I, I don't know. I had problems with my anger and stress just because of my background. And so that was something I brought into the marriage. And so if I could go back in time, I think I would just, uh, you know, just be more intentional about bringing peace into the home and seeing that that was something I brought into the marriage mm -hmm. and trying to, uh, you know, be more prayerful, talk to him about it more, maybe go talk to, you know, somebody who was more professional or uh, who had dealt with that kind of issue before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool. Aaron? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when we got married in those first couple of years, like most um, newlyweds, uh, and I'm speaking to you, newlyweds, <laughs> uh, you know, we thought we knew it all. We right. thought we had it all figured out. You know, how hard could this be? Um, and in hindsight, looking back, I really wish we would have sought out a couple that was maybe you know, a few years ahead that had experienced some things already, mm. kind of learned some lessons already, and basically kind of discipled us through those first couple of years of marriage because we really learned most of our lessons the hard, hard way. way. Yeah. No trial, trial and error. Uh, yeah. Oh, finally realizing after many months of this or that, this doesn't work. Right. I think we would have avoided a lot of problems. Saved tons yeah. and tons of Arguments. stress and yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Mm -hmm. Cool. Becca? I think I would tell myself to just relax a little bit. You know, like everything isn't this big, giant issue. I mean, I remember early in our marriage, you and I getting into this crazy, giant argument about which way the toilet paper... It was just early. In our, we don't get into those fights. <laughs> I mean, no, but seriously, I'm talking about probably hours long <laughs> argument over... Yeah, and I remember, I remember the, you know, 19-year-old me just thinking just blowing this up into this huge thing. And so to just like calm down a little and just who cares, mm -hmm. you know, and also to not take everything as some kind of slam against me or my character or, or anything and to just take a step back and just not make everything such a big deal. Mm -hmm. That kind of goes along with what my thing is. And we didn't know any of this, what we were going to say, but mm -hmm. um, I think I'd go back and tell myself, you're going to need to get some tools on how to communicate properly right. and how to deal with conflict because it's one thing when we're like you know fighting over you know are you going to really wear socks to bed or something like that <laughs> that then when the big issues of life like start happening then if you don't know how to deal with conflict well and we did later on but i just wish that we would have done that and we would have invested in that mm -hmm. uh, early on because we would have saved so much of like what you're talking about so uh, so i hope this encourages you guys we're um i just want to encourage you guys to be intentional about investing in our marriages it's worth every single bit and if you're wanting to know 
there's nothing in these, okay? So <laughs> let's invest in our marriage this week. All right, no matter where you're at, whether you're just starting out, whether you're down the road, the good news is you can always start with the advice you would have given yourself even right now. So good stuff. I encourage you, again, that's why it's so important to invest. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. I'm not going to hit on this, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Um, that's a topic I hit on in our kingdom marriages when I talked about leadership in marriage and all that type of stuff. So if you're interested in that topic, don't have time to get into that, but you can go back and listen to that if you're curious about that. What I really want to finish up with is this idea that you, do you realize, let, let me ask you this, have you guys have ever been and traveled to a different culture, like a different country, maybe a different culture of some kind? I remember going to Barcelona, Spain at one time, and everything was different. I mean, just by getting off the plane, just by walking in, I mean, you, everything looked different, the architecture was different, the sights were different, the sounds were different, the people were different, the dre- they dressed different, they talked different, and I just walked into a different culture. And it was amazing. I loved, I loved experiencing the different culture. And, 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 and do you realize, though, that every single marriage has a culture? In fact, every single relationship has a culture about it. You, you say, well, I, I, didn't, I don't know that. I didn't create a culture. You don't have to. It, you have one whether you want one or not. <laughs> you have one whether it's a good one or it's not a good one. And your, your marriage, let me just tell you what a culture is. A culture is a way of life of a group of people. It's the behaviors, the beliefs, the values, and symbols that they accept, generally without thinking about them, and that are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. Now, I know that's a lot there, but I want you to understand the weight of the culture of your marriage. That's what's happening in your marriage. And it's, it's passed on. It's really a combination of what you do. It's what you allow and who you are. And that culture is there whether you ask for it or not, whether you're intentional about it or not. And the truth of the matter is this. You can create a marriage culture by accident or you can cultivate a good marriage culture on purpose. And that's why we encourage you to invest in the culture of your marriage. And if there's one major truth that God's word has about this idea of marriage that's totally different than the world's idea, it's found in this last scripture that we're going to hit in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And it's this idea that separates a kingdom marriage from a worldly marriage. And here it is. I'm going to read it and then we'll hit it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I could say a lot about this scripture here, but I really want to hit this last part. It says, so that you are heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And here's this truth that separates a godly marriage from a worldly marriage, and it's this. When you're married in the kingdom of God, your relationship with your spouse affects your relationship with God. So you could say it this way, and we know this, that if you are in Christ and you want to get close to your spouse, what's the number one thing you should do? You should get close to God, right? Because the closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get to your spouse. But let me tell you something surprising that this scripture also implies that you may not think about. It not only implies that if you want to get close to your spouse, get close to God. It implies this. If you want to get close to God, 
get close to your spouse. It's one of the only relationships that are intertwined in such a way that if you want to get close to God, for some of you, the most, if you're saying, man, I want to get, I'm hungry for more of God. Man, I want to get closer to God. I want my relationship with God to be better. Then for many of you, the most important thing you could do to get closer to God is to forgive your spouse. For many of you, the the thing to, to ignite your relationship with God is to lean into the relationship with your spouse because they are intertwined. You cannot separate them. When you get close to your spouse, you get close to God. When you get close to God, you get close to your spouse. That's the culture that's totally different about a godly marriage. And for many of us, the most effective thing we could do for our relationship with God is get close to our spouse. I want to have the worship team come back up at this time. But as they do, I want to tell you one last thought about why we are so serious about marriages at Journey Church. And it's this. How many of you guys know if a marriage changes, a family changes? Do you know if a family changes, what happens? A church changes. You know what happens when the church changes? The kingdom of God advances in this city. Are you guys getting this this morning? Saturday night was way better than you guys. Okay, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Let me say it again. If a marriage changes, what happens? A family changes. If a family changes, a church changes. And if the church changes in this city, what's going to happen? The kingdom of God is going to advance in this city. So it's not an understatement to say if we really want to sing that song that he's the God of revival, God come change this city, you know where it starts? It starts right at the person sitting next to you or maybe the person you're praying for who would sit next to you. Because if your marriage can change, the kingdom of God advances in this city. If your marriage changes, the kingdom of God affects, and if this city changes, what happens? This region starts to change. And if this region starts to change, we could change the world by changing marriages. And so that's why we're so serious about it. That's why we say invest in it. That's why we say it's worth your time. That's why we say it's worth rearranging your schedule. That's why we say it's worth putting everything else on hold so that you can grow closer together in God because if you want to get closer to God, get closer to your spouse. Would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close in prayer? If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, let me talk to one more group of people. Some of you have been living life by this idea that I'm just gonna go with my feelings. I'm just gonna go with what I feel. That's what the world says. Just go with your feeling. And so you've gone after this thing, you've gone after that thing because you felt like it would be the right thing. You felt like that would fill a hole on the inside of you. And, And some of us have sought after riches. We've sought after fame. We've sought after, you know, accomplishments. And at the end of the day, those give us a temporary feeling of satisfaction, but at the end of the day, that evaporates. And we've been living our life by our feelings, but you know there's another way to live. And I talked about it's by faith. And when we live by faith, it's when we put our feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ, the truth of God that never changes. Do you realize that there's a place you can plant your feet in life? The truth of God. That no matter what's happening around you, no matter what storm, no matter whether you accomplish something or you utterly fail, that your feet can be planted firmly upon the rock, the truth of Jesus Christ. So I don't feel worthy to have a relationship with God because I've done all this stuff. Listen, it's not about your feelings. It's about faith. I don't feel like I could come to God. The good news is this. 
Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to this planet. His blood was pure. It wasn't tainted by sin like ours. When we were born into this planet, we're born into sin. But Jesus came and he said, I'll take your sin. You can take my right standing with God. You can take my righteousness. Let's exchange. And Jesus, he died on the cross. He took our sin. He rose from the dead. And he holds out his hand to us and he says, come through the door. The Bible says, if you'll come through the door of Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with the Father. It's not through the door of your good works. It's not through the door of your efforts. It's not through the door of your accomplishments. It's through the door of Jesus Christ, placing our faith in what he's done for us on the cross. You say, Pastor Sean, I I don't think I've done that. I've been living the world's ways. I've been trying to fulfill my, my longings with just everything that this world says would do it. And it's come up empty. I want you to understand today you can be sure to place your feet on the rock of Jesus Christ and start a brand new life following him, following his way, surrendering all to him. And I just need to know if we need to take a moment out of this service to pray for you. You say, Pastor Sean, that's me. You, you, you are feeling the knock on the door of your heart right now. I can tell you that's Jesus. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You say, Pastor Sean, would you pray for me? I need to know if we need to take a moment out of this service to pray for you. So right now, if that's you, bold and brave, would you just lift up your hand all over this place right now? We're gonna pray for you. Come on, this is your moment right now. All right, thank you. Come on, anybody else? This is your moment. We're just gonna pray for you. Not... All right, thank you as well. Anybody else? All right. We're gonna do something right now. We're gonna, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's, it's simply the Bible says that what God's doing in our heart, let's just speak that out with our mouth. Let's kind of drive a stake in the ground and say, this is where I'm going with my life by faith. What we're gonna be doing is we're just speaking this out loud, saying, God, I believe in you, I trust in you, I'm giving my life to you. And just in this moment, we're gonna mark this moment with our words. We're just simply gonna talk to God and I'll help you do it, it's really easy. I'm gonna ask everybody to do it with us. So let's all pray this, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I turn from my old ways and I turn to your way. I believe that you died on the cross that you washed away my sins, that you rose from the dead. I receive that grace by faith and I surrender all. Lord, I thank you for those who are praying that prayer today, for the work that you're doing in their heart. No longer led by feelings, but the feet planted on the rock. Lord, I pray that you'd give them a revelation right now that they are a brand new creation that the old really is gone, the past is gone, and today is brand new. It's all brand new, they're a brand new creation. They have brand new spiritual DNA. They've walked from death to life, from darkness to light. We bind any lie of the enemy that would say they're not good enough or anything like that because the truth is that it's what you've done, not what we can do. Lord, we thank you for that. Today we also pray for marriages in this church and we just speak life over them. We speak that there'd be a hunger and a desire to invest in our relationships so that we can bring glory and honor to you, so that we can paint a picture of you and the church to a watching world. And Lord, that's our prayer today. That's our prayer for this church. Lord, we wanna see marriages change so we can see families change, so we can see this church change, so we can see churches in our city change, so we can see the kingdom of God advance. And we declare it in advance right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him one more time.